Hello and welcome to Season 3, Episode 11 of the Everyday Christian Podcast. This is our fifth season in total, uh, going back pre-Scattered Abroad. And we're so thankful for the Scattered Abroad Network of Podcasts. Make sure you go and check out all the various podcasts that we have. Uh, Each day of the week we have good content coming out at Scattered Abroad Network. You can look at our website at scatteredabroad.org. You can also find us in just about any app. Uh, that you might listen to podcasts on. You can also find us on social media, on Facebook, on Instagram, etc. And uh, make sure and follow the various podcasts that we have uh, on Mondays, of course, the Everyday Christian Podcast. But we've also got some other great podcasts as well. For instance, on Tuesdays, we've got Transformed Podcast. On Wednesdays, we've got Far Better. On Thursdays, we've got Weathering the Storm. Fridays, we have uh, Asking God Why, and Saturdays, we've got Diligent Podcast, and then we've also got several other special podcasts that come out from time to time, and we've also got the uh, brand new podcast that we're uh, airing this year for the first time, and that is, uh, number one, we've got the Ohana Podcast with brand new host Lima Asene, and then we've also got another new podcast with uh, Key Ford, and that is the Mental Health Wealth Podcast. And then we've also got our brand new Hispanic language podcast that we're very excited about. And the name of that podcast is Sumergidos in Fe, or Submerged in Faith. And we're certainly glad to be able to branch out and provide that Spanish language podcast. Well, we are continuing our discussion of the topic landmines to look out for this season on the everyday christian podcast and i've got lane green with me again this week my brother and we are discussing complaining we've mentioned first corinthians chapter 10 and the example of the israelites how they committed fornication how they committed idolatry how they committed the sin of complaining so we're going to go into some old testament examples of those things taking place now Uh, in the book of Exodus, and also in the book of Numbers. Uh, Speaking of those examples that Paul was just talking about in 1 Corinthians 10, I want us to notice those examples, and we want to look at a couple of passages. Exodus 16, and these are long passages, so uh, just bear with us as we read through these. But uh, Exodus 16, verses 1 through 15, and then also Numbers 14, verses 1 through 38. Exodus 16, verses 1 through 15, and Numbers 14, verses 1 through 38. Lane, uh, you want to take one of these and I'll take the other? Yeah. Okay, which one do you want to take? Um, I'll take Exodus. Okay. Uh, if you will, just read through Exodus 16, verses 1 through 15, and I might stop you every once in a while. All right. And they took their journey. Excuse me. And they yeah. And they took their journey from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came into the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the fifteenth day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt, and the whole congregation of the children of Israel Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread to the full. 
For ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Stop right there. Stop right there. What an accusation. God had just given them deliverance from Pharaoh. Uh, with you know parting the Red Sea, and they had seen all these different miracles uh, with the the ten plagues and things that happened. They had seen all this, and now they're they're accusing God and Moses and Aaron of leading them out of Egypt just so they can die of hunger. I mean, that's pretty brazen for them to say this. Definitely, it kind of falls along that landmine that we talked about in the last episode of uh, uh, whenever we talked about the. Uh, uh, what's the not, word? Not thinking before you speak. Not thinking before you speak, but also blasphemy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, profanity toward God by by blaspheming Him and more or less cursing Him. Yes. Right. Pick up in verse four. Then said the Lord unto Moses, "Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather." a certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. Hey, one second, one second. God's pretty patient with them, isn't he? Definitely. Because (laughs) he could have just wiped them out right there for that complaining, but he's, he's providing for them still. So we, we don't need to uh, miss that. We need to realize that God is a very long suffering God. Definitely. All right. And it shall come to pass that one, or it sh- and it shall come to pass that on the sixth day they shall prepare that which they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. And Moses and Aaron said unto the, unto all the children of Israel, At even then ye shall know that the Lord hath brought you out from the land of Egypt. And in the morning, then ye shall then ye shall see the glory of the Lord. For that he heareth your murmurings against the Lord, and what are we, that ye murmur against us? And Moses said, This shall be this shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to the full. For that the Lord heareth your murmurings, which ye murmur against him. And what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. Stop right and Moses there. Stop right there that the murmurings were not against Moses and Aaron, but against the Lord himself. So God takes it personally when the people are murmuring against his leadership. Definitely keep that in mind. And Moses spake unto Aaron, say unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, come near before the Lord, for he hath heard your murmurings. And it came to pass as Aaron spake unto the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel speak unto them, saying, At even ye shall eat flesh, and in the morning ye shall be filled with bread, and ye shall know what I am, the Lord your God. And it came to pass that at, that at even the quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew lay, lay round about the host. And when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness, there lay a small round round thing, as small as the or frost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, It is manna, for they wist not what it was. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. All right, that's, that's good there. 
for this account. Um, they didn't know what this was, so they they literally said, "What is it?" And that's what mana means. What is it? So I don't know uh, how thankful they were for this bread, but God does provide for them the bread so that they don't starve. Uh, he also provided the quail uh, for meat uh, so that they don't starve in this wilderness. Now, uh, we see this complaining here. And if you if you go through Exodus and Numbers and, and Deuteronomy, you're going to see the Israelites complaining all the time. And I, I feel bad for Moses because he really put up with a lot of complaining uh, from the Israelites. But as we transition from this Exodus account, we want to now go to the Numbers account. Numbers 14, verses 1 through 38. And this is what seals their fate. Um, if you know the history of the Israelites at this time, those who are 20 years old and upward do not get to go into the land of Canaan because they had sent the spies into Canaan to spy out the land, and they sent 12 spies. Joshua and Caleb were two good spies, and they said, uh, to paraphrase greatly, to paraphrase, they're like, hey, we can take these guys. Uh, just paraphrasing their response there, but Unfortunately, they were outnumbered by 10 evil spies with an evil report. And those spies basically said, we can't take these guys. They're giants. They've got all these defensed cities and things. We can't take them. And so Joshua and Caleb got outvoted and uh, the spies bring back an evil report. And this is going to cost all those who were 20 years old and upward, with the exception of Joshua and Caleb to not get to go into the land of Canaan. They're going to be punished that way. So keeping that in mind, Numbers 14, verses 1 through 38, let's read about that. So they have spied out the land, and verse 1 of Numbers 14 says, So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, Let us select a leader and return to Egypt. What are they doing? They're rebelling against God's leader. They're trying to rebel against Moses, pick somebody else, and say, hey, you take us back to Egypt. Keep that in mind as it pertains to uh, complaining. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Notice, they rebelled against Moses and Aaron, his leaders. Well, if you rebel against God's leaders, you're rebelling against uh God himself. And so Moses says, don't rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, 
sorry, uh, Joshua says this, do not rebel against the Lord, nor, nor uh, fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people reject me? And how long will they not believe me with all the signs which I have performed among them? I will strike them with pestilence and disinherit them. And I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. God says, I've had it. I'm going to destroy them. And I'm going to start over with Moses and make a nation out of you. And they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land. They have heard that you, Lord, I skipped verse 13, sorry. And Moses said to the Lord, then the Egyptians will hear it, for by your might you brought these people up from among them, and they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land. They have heard that you, Lord, are among these people, that you, Lord, are seen face to face, and your cloud stands above them, and you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and in a pillar of fire by night. Now, if you kill these people as one man, when the nations which have heard of your fame will speak, saying, Because the Lord was not able to bring this people to the land which he swore to give them, therefore he killed them in the wilderness. And now, I pray, let the power of my Lord be great, just as you have spoken, saying the Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he by no means clears the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Pardon the iniquity of this people, I pray, according to the greatness of your mercy, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word, but truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all these men who have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness have put me to the test now these ten times and have not heeded my voice, they certainly shall not see the land of which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he is, has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. Now the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwell in the valley. Tomorrow turn and move out into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation who complain against me? I have heard the complaints which the children of Israel make against me. Say to them, As I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. The carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in this wilderness. All of you who were numbered according to your entire number, from 20 years old and above, except for Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun, you, you shall by no means enter the land which I swore I would make you dwell in. But your little ones, whom you said would be victims, I will bring in, and they shall know the land which you have despised. But as for you, your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness." And your sons shall be shepherds in the wilderness forty years, 
and bear the brunt of your infidelity until your carcasses are consumed in the wilderness. According to the number of the days in which you spied out the land, 40 days, for each day you shall bear your guilt one year, namely 40 years, and you shall know my rejection. I, the Lord, have spoken this. I will surely do so to all this evil congregation who are gathered together against me. In this wilderness they shall be consumed, and there they shall die. Now the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land, who returned and made all the congregation complain against him by bringing a bad report of the land, those very men who brought the evil report about the land died by the plague before the Lord. But Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh remained alive of the men who went to spy out the land. Do you think that God takes complaining seriously? Definitely. <laughs> and you can, you can kind of see when, at first, whenever they were complaining about the food situation, um, he was, you know, patient. But, you know, sooner or later, he gets uh, fed up with it. And he does not, uh, <laughs> does not um, continue to put up with it. Does not continue to put up with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, this definitely shows the long suffering nature of God. But eventually, <clears throat> his cup of wrath, so to speak, is going to overflow and he's going to punish. And we all need to be aware of that. Uh, they were rebelling against Moses and Aaron. They were refusing the good report of Caleb and Joshua. And uh, they're going to pay the consequences for this. They're not going to be allowed to go into the land. Uh, only their children under 20, uh, who they had said, incidentally, they had said, oh, our children will be victims uh, they will take our children and hurt our children. Well, uh, it's actually the children who are going to survive the 40 years in the wilderness, uh, not the ones who are 20 years old and upward. They will fall. Their carcasses will fall in the wilderness. They will not get to see the promised land in the land of Canaan. Grumbling, complaining, murmuring, however you want to phrase it, God says that it's evil. Uh, and we are not to do this. This is definitely a landmine to our faith. Lane, I've got one more question, and uh, then we'll conclude the podcast for this week. But I want to ask you this, Lane. What kind of damage do you think grumbling and complaining can cause, uh, number one, in our lives, but also uh, in the church? Well, we kind of touched on this earlier, but... Um, like like we said earlier, people don't want to be around people who are always complaining. And um, if we're complaining all the time, in a way, we're hypocrites because, you know, we, we're always saying as Christians, you know, oh, you know, I'm so happy about all I'm I'm so blessed about this. I'm so blessed about that, you know, and then we're going to turn around and complain about these little things that's really being hypocritical about it and it's being spoiled and you know people people see that and they don't they don't want to be around it and um it causes them to say you know i don't i don't want to be like that and if if they're a christian and they can do that 
then I don't want, I don't have to be a Christian because Christians aren't really what they say they are. Right. Do you think that a spirit of negativity, uh, a spirit of defeatism, like, oh, everything's lost. uh, There's no hope. There's, uh, you know, we've tried that before and it didn't work. Do you think a spirit of negativity and defeatism can take hold in a Christian's life and can take hold in uh, congregations? It it definitely can. And I've seen it with some people, unfortunately. And it's very hard to change someone's mind once they come to that conclusion. And it's one of those things, you know, something, some bad things might happen, but as we say, sometimes the show goes on and you can't dwell on something and uh, just let it beat you down. You have to get up, dust off your shoes and keep going. Right. Well, I've, uh, I've often said that Christians ought to be the most optimistic people you ever meet. Uh, And unfortunately, sometimes it seems the opposite. I think that there are some pessimistic Christians out there, people who see the glass half empty instead of half full. And uh, we don't need to be that way as Christians. We need to be optimists. We need to look for the good in things. And we need to be happy, uh, you know, to, to, to the right extent, I mean, there's going to be times when we get down. We've already mentioned that. But overall, we should be happy, joyful people, and, and we should be the most optimistic people that you ever see. I, um, I forget what exact verse it is, and I'm going to be I'm paraphrasing, but it says something along the lines of all things uh, go uh, work to the good to those who know the Lord. And if you really think about that, if it's in a way talking about being optimistic because we can find something good in the worst situations if we're really trying. For sure. Yeah. That's uh Romans eight twenty eight. It says, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. So he definitely is going to work everything out the way that we need it. And we need to trust him. Uh, to do so, and um, there's another uh, verse I was looking for. I couldn't find it, but um, but yeah, we we ought to be as Christians, uh, as everyday Christians, we ought to be looking at life with with a a view of happiness and contentment and we ought to um, realize that we do serve the creator of this beautiful world uh, that we live in. And we look at the, the beauty of his creation all the time. And we ought to notice that we ought to look at the stars. We ought to look at uh, the sunset. We ought to look at the, the beautiful mountains and the oceans and the creeks and all the beautiful uh, different places that you can go and, and witness the beauty of his creation and we ought to praise him and we ought to, you know, one act of worship is we sing his praises. And another is that we pray to him and, and part of praying is, is praising him as well. That ought to be, uh, if we're ever tempted to complain, we need to remember and count our blessings, number one, and then we need to praise him for all those blessings. And I think that will help us with complaining. 
Definitely. And um, we have to remember at the end of the day, no matter what we're really going through that might cause us to want to complain, at the end of the day, if we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, we're going to go to heaven whenever we do die or whenever Jesus comes back. So we really don't have a reason to complain. And we just have to remember one day we won't have to worry about it anymore. Absolutely. I've got five quick tips uh, or five quick uh, things to look out for as it pertains to complaining and as it pertains to uh, the church and our lives as Christians. Number one, complaining causes rebellion against leaders uh, in the church context against elders. Complaining causes rebellion against the elders. Uh, we saw that with uh, the people complaining and murmuring against Moses and Aaron in Numbers, and it happens today as well in the church. Hebrews 13, verse 7 says, Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. And then Hebrews 13, verse 17 says, Obey those who rule over you, and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls, as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Uh, a spirit of murmuring and complaining oftentimes leads people to rebel against God's leaders. Uh, we could also make the application towards the government. I mean, how many people today are so complaining towards our civil government as a nation, and they, wanna, they want to uh, constantly mock and deride the government and they want to uh, protest the government in very uncivil ways and illegal ways and riot in the streets and all these sorts of things. Uh, what did that start with? It started with complaining and uh, murmuring against the government. So that, that would be another example. So that's number one. Uh, complaining causes rebellion against leaders. Number two, complaining may cause a split. Church, do not complain. Christian, do not complain, because here's what happens. When we get caught up in complaining, what do we do? Do we just complain uh, and mumble uh, under our breath, and we just say it amongst ourselves, or do we complain to somebody else? We usually complain to somebody else. We go usually, over, yep. call, call our buddy up and start talking to him about it. You know? Exactly, and we complain with them, and they complain back, and, hey, buddy, we're in this together. And we're fighting those guys over here in the church because we don't agree with them. And what are we doing? We're murmuring against people and we're splitting churches. That that kind of goes along the realm of gossip. If you think about it. That's another, that's another uh, landmine that we need to look out for. I think I've got uh, some episodes lined out for that as well. So number one, again, complaining leads to rebellion. Number two, complaining leads to splits, to division. Number three, complaining causes ungratefulness. You touched on this a moment ago when I said, if you're tempted to complain, count your blessings. We need to be thankful for everything that we have. You talked about it earlier, how people in other countries that have so much less than us, they don't complain as much as we do because we're spoiled, right? Uh, complaining leads to ungratefulness. Stop complaining man up or or woman up i guess <laughs> if you're a lady and and realize hey it's going to be okay and i need to stop complaining and i'll give you an example we were 
discussing the other night here, we support a, a church uh, in Nicaragua. And that church, they got a septic system put in recently. They got uh, a new church building and uh, not extravagant by any means. But they've got this new building. They're so appreciative of it. They've got one light bulb and one uh, power hookup in the wall, I think. And they are thrilled to death to have that. They're so appreciative to have that. That puts it into perspective because in industrialized nations like the United States and uh, maybe some other nations, some other countries that may be listening to this podcast as well that are industrialized first world countries. Uh, what's the what's the saying? First world problems, right? Yeah. First world problems. Uh, yeah. First world problems. They're not that big a problem after all. And we need to be thankful and we don't need to complain. Complaining leads to ungratefulness. That's number three. Number four is that complaining causes a lack of joy, a lack of a sense of well-being. And when you think about that, ultimately it leads to a spirit of deadness. We are, as Christians, we're alive. We have new life. We are born again, the Bible teaches and so we are alive as Christians, but when we start complaining and we start uh, murmuring and disputing and woe is me, then it causes a deadness in us and it spreads to others like a cancer because they start complaining. I mean, uh, complaining is um, contagious. I start complaining, you start complaining. She starts complaining. He starts complaining. Before you know it, you just got a grumbling mass of complainers, kind of like what happened with the Israelites. And it leads to death, spiritual death. And it leads to, well, we can't do anything. We've tried this and it didn't work. So we're not going to try to evangelize anymore. Um, this, this won't work because of this and that won't work because of that. And so we're just not going to do much of anything. Complaining leads to lack of joy, lack of well-being, lack of growth, and ultimately it leads to death. That's number four. And finally, number five, complaining could lead to anger. And anger leads to lashing out, outburst of wrath, which the Bible says is sinful, and ultimately, who knows, any number of other sins that started with a complaint and then it turned into anger then it turned into lashing out and then it turned into wrath and on and on and on we could go. It's a domino effect. If we are going to complain, it's not going to stop there. It's going to keep on going and going. It's like a big ball that keeps rolling down a hill and gets more and more and more speed uh, of uh, using that, that analogy, more and more, more, complaints, more and more negativity, more and more pessimistic attitude. And it's just going to, what's that, that ball rolling down that hill going to do? It's going to damage a whole lot of stuff. It's going to damage us spiritually as Christians. So this is definitely complaining. It's definitely a landmine to look out for. Any other thoughts, Lane, on, on that? I don't believe so. All right. Well, I sure appreciate you zooming in to uh, be on this podcast again, zooming in from Louisiana. And uh, 
best greetings to you from Oklahoma. And uh, uh, Lane and I and the rest of the family, Lin Lindsay and I and, and the kids, we got to see family for Thanksgiving recently as we were recording this today and looking forward to Christmas time, getting to see family again. So Lord willing, I'll be seeing you in a couple weeks, Lane. I'm looking forward to it. Yep. Well, I appreciate you for joining me again on the podcast. I'm glad to be here. All right. Well, we will continue our study of landmines to look out for on the Everyday Christian Podcast, Lord willing, next week. What's up, guys? It's Caleb and Michael over here from the Scattered Abroad Network, and we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, we're so thankful to the East Hill Church of Christ for overseeing this network, and we're grateful to God for this opportunity. And don't forget, you can check out our show notes below for all of our social media links, email address, website, and we have a monthly newsletter, so don't forget to sign up for that. Please remember to leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you use, and please continue to keep our network in your prayers. As always, thank you again so much for listening. Be ready tomorrow. We have brand new content coming out here on the SAN. Thanks so much, and God bless.